Before I begin, I want to acknowledge where I am situated, which is on the traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. To acknowledge this territory is to recognize its longer history, one predating the establishment of the earliest European colonies. It is also to acknowledge this territory's significance for the indigenous peoples who lived and continue to live upon it and whose practices and spiritualities were tied to the land and continue to develop in relationship to the territory and its other inhabitants today. I recognize my own history and how it places me in the structure that is still heavily influenced by colonialism. And as you listen to this series on Black experiences in Kingston, I hope that you place yourself on your land and acknowledge what it might feel like for non-settlers to navigate the systems in place. Welcome back to Kingston the Black Experience. Uh, I am your host, Tiana Edwards. Thanks for being here. This is actually part two of a two-part interview with Martha Williams. Um, so if you haven't listened to part one, then I suggest going back to the main menu of this podcast, listening to part one, and then jumping over here to part two. In this episode, we discuss the details of her new business, Pedalworks uh, Cafe and Studio, and what it means to the Black community. We also touch on how anti-Blackness can show up in the Black community, and she shares her advice on self-advocacy. Um, again, I suggest you listen to part one first. If you have already listened to that, then please enjoy this episode. I'm excited for you to hear it. Um, yeah, yeah. So for, for folks wondering, you know, what is this business? What are people going to expect? Yeah, let's let's hear uh, let's hear it. Let's hear you know the name, what people can look forward to finding there, um, and yeah, what your hopes and dreams are. So it's called Petalworks Cafe and Studios, and um, it's <laughs> it's basically like a place where all the things I love are in one location. <laughs> it's all about Martha. Um, and you know, I I really hadn't made that connection, you know, that this is I'm creating a place that where I'll feel home. I hadn't really, you know, obviously it's there, right? right? But like for you to say it out loud, it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, because when I explain it to people, they're like, huh? So there will be an art gallery because I've discovered this artistic side of myself, and I've always loved art. Everywhere I go, I go to a gallery. That's the first thing I do. Um, it's a cafe because I love coffee. I love the idea of getting a baked good and a cup of strong coffee and sitting somewhere and looking at a book or reading a book. Um, and it's also a spinning studio. Um, I'm a master instructor for Mad Dog Athletics, so I train instructors to teach spinning. It is a brand, mm -hmm. and there are no licensed spinning facilities in Kingston, so it'll be based in science. It'll be safe. We, we don't do weights on the bike. We don't do, like, twerking the bike, which I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, and then there'll be yoga, breath work, restorative mm -hmm. side as well. So there's two studios. Um, and that's, you know, I just want people, 
I really want to build an outdoor community, like cyclists to come in and have a coffee. That's a thing we do. And whenever I get off the trail, I go to a, because I'm on this side, I go to Starbucks because that's really all there is near me. Um, and I really believe in supporting local. So I've talked to a few cyclists who are like, oh, I would prefer to come to your place and to go to Starbucks. So it's just this, you know, and I want to have like art festivals, like really focused on BIPOC, you know, art and, and you know, all of the incredible things. And then like having an R&B night, you know, um, my daughter, she's applying to law school, but she has this whole music thing and she wants to, so I bought her like a DJ deck and I'm like, okay, put together your R&B stuff. She's like, like what? type of R&B like I was like you can do the whole thing like start a Marvin Gaye and move up you know <laughs> so um and yeah so it's just you know like I said the books will be you know cover all different like I there's gonna be a sharing library you know where you can come and I've had people be like you know what if they take your books I'm like you know what people take books that's not a bad thing you know, it's really not. Right, so, right. so yeah, that's that's what I'm creating. And I'm really excited about what I'm going to be able to offer. And I also want to be open and available to, you know, meeting spaces. And because that's some of the challenges we've had is trying to find spaces to meet and to gather um, where we're actually and where we're supporting each other. And one of the big things that I'm excited about is, you know, following your footsteps is really supporting um, local back black businesses like bakers you know and like really helping them and elevate them it's like no this is how you charge for your product this is how you know how much it's worth find a commercial kitchen I will support you I will elevate you um, I found a co did I tell you about the coffee person so I found this she's from Honduras and I'm gonna have my own coffee blend I am going to support a small women-led farm in Honduras yeah, and so and this is a small business. These two women actually are they're in the weekend program with me. Okay, um, yeah, and so you know that's you know artists, musicians, business, all the things. Um, I'm really like my accountant is black. You know, it's not easy to find. You know, and I wanted someone local that I could like you know meet because I don't want to just be a person on a screen or a number and I'm paying you money. I don't know who you are. Um, and it's just really kind of, and you know, I, this wouldn't happen without that, that WhatsApp group. Yeah, it wouldn't happen without, you know, you pushing the, the black businesses. I wouldn't know who these people were yeah. because as small as Kingston is, we're still isolated. And so coming together and, and that's the, that's my dream is that people will know if nothing else, if they come into Petalworth Cafe, they can find out where we are. The hub. Yes, we'll have our own hub. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's game changing. Well, I mean, I think I don't even know if you realize how meaningful this is because as I have been trying to push like the black owned business list on the blog. So for mm -hmm. newcomers to this podcast, I have a blog called Keep Up With Kingston where I talk mm -hmm. about black owned businesses. I'll talk about it to the intro to this episode to give you more context. But basically it is like a list of, you know, like 40, 50, 60, mm -hmm. I think it's getting up there black-owned businesses locally, and it came out of folks searching Black in Kingston, finding my um, my uh, post about, like, you know, Kingston trauma, and then me being like, actually, this isn't about me. Let's use this traffic mm -hmm. to the website for black-owned businesses kind of shifting yeah. the narrative. And then even for myself, I'm like, that list is incredible because, yes. first of all, it just runs itself now. I'm yeah. not really, like, searching as much. I have people tagging businesses yeah 
on yeah. on the um, Instagram page all the time. And it's like my own self-serving thing. The same way that yeah. you're doing, you're building a hub mm-hmm. to serve your past self. Like, I have this list, the black-owned business, to serve my own needs. Yeah. It's like, I want to know where to find a braider. Yeah. I want to know where to get, like, yeah. proper spices, curries, all these mm-hmm. things. So, But what you realize when you're trying to find things for yourself is that you are a representative of a lot of people in Kingston who are doing the same thing. So what you're doing... I want to come back to this is that a lot of the, these businesses are up and coming and don't have brick and mortar shops, right. don't have actual spaces. And so they're like working out of their houses. They're mm-hmm. trying. And so like, this is how we do this, mm-hmm. right? Like you are going to be transformative for all of these businesses, you know, for Barrett's delight, um, mm-hmm. having her like sweets out of your shop. That is a game changer yeah. because a lot of these folks are trying mm-hmm. to get to where you're going to be. Yeah. And you know, I want to, really emphasize like I know that I have privilege Mm -hmm. I I don't take that for granted Mm -hmm. so you know when we talk about you know when people like I know when I'm privileged I know that my life experience and yes I got white family and they have you know they're a little bit more established because they had an easier time of it like I have some advantages Um, you know the at the end of the day like when I left my my job it was knowing that I have the education that you can't take away, yeah. the drive, and I do have the support. And so those are the things that I want to be able, because I'm in a position, and don't get me wrong now, like I'm broke. Like, <laughs> like but like, I know how to write a business plan. I know how to make connections. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I, you know, actually did work for this company you know they gave me a lot of skills Mm -hmm. and so I'm using that privilege that I am aware of and what I'm doing is I what I'm hoping to be able to do is whatever skills I have and whatever space I can create is to elevate other people because I know I can't even imagine how hard it is being an immigrant I mean and you know Kingston's not easy it's not Canada's not easy you come from an island when there's all all of y'all and you you celebrate like you got like that's a different environment. You come here and you're like you got to go over there to celebrate carnival. You got you, know, like the, you want you want map you want meat patties, you want some beef patties. Well, you know like it's not it's so to be able and I bought some of the meat patties over the so good so I, I reached out to her I was like okay we'll try we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna figure this out we're gonna figure out how to get this working it was Mo, Mo Daney Bites oh it was Mo Daney Bites okay yeah. Yeah, so the sweets Ferris Delights and yeah. Mo's Daney yeah. Bites they're gonna Mo's, be at the um, he must patient Mo's is gonna be at the yeah uh, the yeah so you know things are happening and you know that's the other thing I'm really happy like last year when we did the Emancipation Weekend I remember thinking Never in a million years did I think this would ever happen in Kingston. Mm-hmm. That's one. Right. So, you know, I wrote the proclamation. I don't know if you know that. Yes. I wrote it, and I was like, this is coming back. I, I just wrote some because I was like, it's all going to come back. It's going to be like red marks all over it. Like, we're not putting white supremacy in here. Like, that's not happening. And it came back signed by the mayor. Yeah. And I was like, I literally was in shock. Yeah. 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 Things are moving a lot different. Than they used to. I mean, honestly, 2020 yeah, was it, a game changer. Like, truly, um, the execution of George Floyd and and being in line with people having to stay home and 
not ignore the yep. news. Right. Like, and folks actually feeling their own sense of, like, not having control of their environment. Mm-hmm. That really, that it, it, lineup. It shifted it, everything. Yeah. And if George Floyd only knew what his legacy was. Yeah. Truly. Because it, it definitely, that whole thing, his, his murder, it impacted the entire world. Entire world. Because we didn't have a DNI no. department before that. No, absolutely not. And, you know, like, what what happened, what people don't realize is, like, white supremacy, there are folks in countries with no white people still in line with white supremacy. Like, Girl, white supremacy yes. is baked in yes. everywhere. Yes. It's everywhere. It's like everyone is reaching for whiteness, even in countries that are predominantly black and brown. Like, everywhere. everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, it's built into everything. Yeah. And I don't think that folks... And people get defensive when you say that, but it's like, it's just truly the reality. Yeah. And it's actually easier to just know that mm-hmm. and navigate things yeah. knowing that than it is to try to like, you know, twist it mm-hmm. or turn it and, and try to think of all these other reasons. It's like, no, there's a reason why sometimes yeah. things feel hard. And so, yeah, the BLM movement aligning with COVID and realizing like the communities that were impacted mm-hmm. by that and what that actually looks like, that was truly a, ch- a culture shift. As somebody who was, like, trying to fit mm-hmm. EDI work into my role and then got the role in the Yellow House, and um, now we have the Scarborough Charter, which is about Black inclusion at university mm-hmm. campuses across Canada, it's, like, structures are actually starting to shift and change and yeah. are being decolonized, right? Yeah. Decolonized meaning that, like, this work doesn't happen on an agenda item. This work mm-hmm. happens in the community. This work happens. This isn't all yeah. academic, Right. Working at Queens, like it's like really taking away some of these structures that have really worked against us for. Yeah, it's so damaging um, the impact of white supremacy on so many levels. I think the the hardest realization for me was one when I went to Spelman. That hurt my heart Um, because I went there with the expectation of it being a different experience and it ended up being worse than Wellesley's. <laughs> like, I was like, oh boy, everybody's trying to catch. I, I, you know, there's a whole, you know, we've talked about post-traumatic slave syndrome. Well, you definitely see it in those spaces. And then when I worked for the housing authority, that was another wake up call to me. I was like, you know what? All black folks are not our friends and we need to be in an awareness of how deeply embedded this, um, this just how deeply embedded this idea of supremacy and inferiority is and because we've taken it on and there's a there's steps towards healing but it's the same thing with anything there has to be an acknowledgement first um i had this conversation with my dad my dad had that white supremacist embedded in him so deeply that he could not love himself and he died not loving himself and not, and I, you know, as a black female with a father that never would date, marry a black woman, you know, that I recognized it though, you know, but like it was, and just the negative conversations around blackness and how that impacts you, you know, it's, it's so, it's so deeply embedded that it is, it is, extremely harmful it harms our mental physical spiritual health on on ways that we can't even begin to understand 
And like black people can embody anti-blackness. So people know. think that we're born with like a, like like a journal yeah. or some sort <laughs> of like Bible on like how to navigate. And yeah. then, you know, often it's assimilation. It's how it's folks assimilation. Navigate. And then assimilation means that you yep. are stripping yourself away. Yep. Of you know, you're stripping yourself. Yep. And and that impacts our children. That impacted you. Yeah. It goes deep. It goes and deep. And so, and then, you know, sometimes people use the folks who have embodied anti-blackness to be their poster mm-hmm. children. Like, look at Candace Owens. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's Clarence like, Thomas. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, but they're black. It's like, yeah, yeah but what were they representing? And who yeah. were they excluding in their own communities yeah. to reach for that, the same thing, that, that hierarchy? Um, so there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack, and I don't, you know, I wish that I could say that it's going to happen in our lifetimes. I don't think it will. I think that it takes, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of really dedicated, knowledgeable folks to undo it. Like, it's a, it's because it's a psychological, like, there's some neurological stuff happening. Like, racism to me is a neurological problem. Like, there's something wrong with people, like, you know, and that isn't something that you can just change overnight, no. you know, it is, and it's, it's going to take generations and, you know, you know, for our kids. And I think about that often. I thought about that, you know, when my daughter was younger yeah. and she had to, she saw me, she saw me out there yelling and like doing all the things to support her and to support myself and to support people around me. And so, you know, in her experience at Queens, I had to come at Queen, come to Queens and have to yell. I just had to stand there because they were like, oh, the mother's here. <laughs> so I was like, I, I just was like, I wish you would say something sideways because you don't know me. I will. There'll be some. But it, it turned out fine. Um, but, you know, it's just we think about our kids. We think about how can our children have a better experience. And this is what I tried to explain at my previous job, because most of the people I worked with were younger. I was like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm on my way out. I am out, but you're 22. You got seven more years in this workforce, and I'm doing my best to make this better for you. And you know, but you do find yourself out there advocating by yourself because it's scary. And I will say too, you know, my experience has been that Black Canadians are very different than Black Americans. Yes. Right. Like. Black Canadians, like I would literally meet people like, oh, I've never experienced racism. I'm like, where have, what? And I think to myself, you know what? That's probably how I was before I went and understood the language and understood what gaslighting looked like, what what those things that were happening to me, like people messing my hair and calling, saying certain names. I didn't, I, did, I, I participated because yes. I didn't understand yes. what was happening, but I yes. felt something. Yeah, well, you know, it's like it's a survival a survival tactic, yeah. and I can speak from experience from being raised here. It's it's like yeah, you laugh because you don't want to be the person that disrupts everybody's fun because you're the only one not having fun, yeah. right? And so it's setting those boundaries and like realize I guess realizing it's actually really interesting because I married a white man, and when when Gary and I started dating, and he met some of my friends. From Kingston, he was like, "Your friends are racist." My white husband, he was like, "You know your friends are racist, right?" Like that wasn't it's funny. Not okay. Yeah, he's yes. like, he was like, "You have to like raise your standards." Like this is what is happening mm. because he didn't grow up in Kingston, um, 
and he was kind of like, what? What are you doing? And I'm like, these are people I've known since I yeah. was like three. I'm like, I don't know what to do now. This right. is such an awkward situation yeah. because it's like I grew up and kind of changed my standards. Right. And then was like, and then when you are the person who's like actually, and then that is what makes you realize like who your who your people are, right? It's like, oh wait, I wasn't supposed to ruin the fun. <laughs> and that's how you that's how you survive. You're right. It's a survival thing. And you know, you always want to be included. And you know, you have this, you know, my younger brother, um, he went to KC and um he passed away a couple years ago. Yeah, it was pretty hard. And um he he had some other stuff like neurological damage from he was a deep water diver, but he was definitely dealing with race issues that he had here. And every time he came to Kingston, something happened to him. Like he just, because he lived in Victoria, but every time he came home, and I know what that is, because I felt it, but you just didn't have the words. You didn't know what it, but I know that part of his drinking and, you know, was not, because I had a different experience. I found, I'm like, and I would send him books, you know, and things like that. But he didn't have the experience I had, and right? Not having the not having the language, and not having the language. I know that a lot of it is that it, it is, is that it is that like the experiences he's had here over the past however many years. Like I know what that is, yeah. and it's like hard to watch somebody not have the language to define yeah. it, and then so they're sitting there trying to figure out what it is, mm-hmm. and it's like if only you could define it. Yeah. Because when you can't define it, then you're just feeling like you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's just, it's such, it's such a, it's so heavy. You know, it's so heavy. And it's so, it just, man. Um, I know I've mentioned this before, that book, Black Magic by Chad Sanders. Yeah. And um, he really talks about the professional level. You got to read, like, yeah. post-traumatic slave syndrome. It'll really, and... It's the same my dad was very abusive. And what I realized in reading that book was he was out there in this right. trying to survive. Right. Yeah. And he came home and that was the only place he had power. Right. So he took his power out on us. Right. Right. And my father also was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And um, there is like I don't like the this is the thing this is it's so deep and it's so damaging and it's so traumatic Mm -hmm. and at the end of it what do we do we have to find the strength and resiliency to be magic anyway right we have to yeah what are the options yeah there's Yes, resiliency has come up in every conversation. <laughs> it's like, well, right? There's, there's middle name. There's nothing else, and it's like, and like that's where it's like always tough because it's like we don't want to be resilient, you know? Like, no, we, we don't want to, but like it's the only way to progress because actually, like a lot of the things that we're trying to do for our communities are are going against the grain, and so how do you fight the grain without the strength? You can't. You fall um, into you fall into these really toxic, like. Um, self rituals that are actually more damaging so you have to tap in to the resilience and and like thankfully we have it built into us because like we mentioned in other episodes you know our ancestors had to be resilient like truly like there's no other way yeah (laughs) you know and it's i actually really appreciate you bringing up the ancestor thing because whenever i'm having a hard day even dealing with this whole business stuff right I have, cause I'll have this, oh, like, how am I gonna eat tomorrow? You know, and then I'm like, wait a minute, 
had ancestors that made it through some stuff. This is nothing. This is friggin', this is nothing, okay? Because I'll always have shelter. I will always have food, right? Like, I can't even imagine how our ancestors made it. And I wonder if you and I, like people like us, we probably wouldn't have made it because I do believe that there's meaning like we're the ones that would be the rebellious, yeah, like, I'm, yeah, we're like, no, 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 you're not doing this to us. Like we would have been either maroons up in the mountains or we would have been like, you know, hum- like seriously, yeah. you know, like there's certain, because you know, even now. There's some of us out here making noise and there's some of us that are like nine to five, do my job, don't talk about it, just keep it moving. I can't be that person. You know, my best friend, um, she said to me, cause I was like, maybe I'll work for Starbucks for the summer. Just, you know, I'm open a cafe, never had a cafe before. I was like, maybe I should learn how to do the coffee. And then she looked at me, she said, but don't go in there trying to change everything, Martha. Just go in, do the job, learn your stuff and get out. And I'm like, and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, I know I can't do it. It won't happen. One thing will happen. Someone will come in and say something sideways or a manager will say something or there'll be something. And I'll be like, okay, no, no, no. We need to have a conversation because this is not okay. And then I'd be trying to change. <laughs> so, but it was funny that she said that because, you know, she sees me in all these spaces. She's like, you go in there. You don't just, you can't just go. And I'm like, no, I can't. And she couldn't either, so I don't even know why she's telling me to do it. So I was like, no, I can't. I can't go in, see wrong, and not say something. It's impossible for me to do that. So there are some of us, it's impossible for us to do that. And there's some people that are like, I'm just going to toe the line, I'm going to go. And I get that. I totally get it, because you got to save yourself. And for me, saving myself is this. Having a voice, being an advocate, doing the things. I don't, it's not in my personality, it's not who I am, like the, the core of who I am as a human would be more damaging to be silent. And for other people, it's more damaging for them to make noise. And that's why there's different, you know, people. Yeah, that's why we all yeah, balance. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, like you and I, we'd be, we'd be out in the, like, we, yeah, they we, we, <laughs> we, we wouldn't have, have like I said, we wouldn't have made it. No, I would have been like, I don't want to do okay. <laughs> Like, I couldn't even imagine. I'm, I just, yeah, I couldn't do it. That's so funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Okay, we are at an hour, which would be, I can't believe how quickly the time went by. We've talked about so many things. Oh, I know. I think I want to, yeah, I think I, my last couple things I want to touch on before we wrap up, because I have to edit this, <laughs> is, um, you know, now that you're here, you felt that shift. What is your advice to, I'm going to say your daughter because you're talking about the next generation and she is in Kingston now yeah. and she went to Queens. And so, yeah, what is your advice to her? Um, my advice always to everybody is like, do the thing that brings you joy, regardless of other people's expectations of you. Like, because at the end of it, through all of this, race, gender, all the things, if you live your life with joy and that, it's a little bit of privilege. I do see that. Um, then you live a life with no regrets. You tend to be kinder. And I do believe you impact the world because your energy shifts when you are, when you love yourself as completely as you can and you make choices that serve you, you advocate for yourself. When you find that, you find your joy no matter where you are. 
no matter what's going on out there, if you find that, then you can change the world. And, you know, in any situations, I keep thinking to myself, if they truly love themselves, would we be here? Would we be doing this? You know, yeah, like love yourself because you tend to be kinder when you love yourself. So that's the only because I I don't have we don't have control over anything else, right? We don't have control over this stuff, but we have control. And it sounds trite, but it's really true. And it's also to me so empowering once you realize that you can shift that for yourself. And you can say, you know what, I know you're trying to hold me back, but I'm not going to be held back. I'm going to do what I do because that was what brings me joy. Yeah. So get out of my way. Yeah. Or support me. You have two options. <laughs> I get out of the way or get on, get on the train. Yeah, like, that's it. You. I'm not carrying no. burden. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's it. You know, it's funny. When my daughter graduated from Queens, um, she did environmental sciences. And she's very, she's like her dad a lot. Like, just so focused. Like, did really well. And... Um, I said, what do you want to do now? She's like, honestly? I said, yeah. She said, I want to be a DJ. And I was like, do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have these, like, we're so privileged and so lucky to be able to say, do the things you love to do. Because we're at a, in, a, in a culture, and Senwa, his, when, he, when I went to hear him speak, um, and he said, you know, I came to Canada, and people play the lottery, and they don't know they've already won. Yeah. They already won the lottery. And so to take advantage of what we have available to us and do the very best that we can and find our joy, what else can you do? Perspective. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so oh, much, thank Martha. You. Thank you. I didn't think I was going to cry so many times <laughs> during our conversation. Good Lord. Um, that was very emotional. But I just really appreciate your perspective always. And I think you have a special one because... You've been on this entire journey of finding yourself and now you're so grounded in who you are. And like you're saying, that is really gonna change a lot of lives in Kingston. I hope so. And I, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Like, I, I just can't, I talk about you all the time. I'm like, oh, I mean, you've shifted things in Kingston for us. So thank you for taking, you know, because it's risky and it takes, it takes work and all the things. So I really, I can't, I don't honestly, like, I know this is going to sound hokey, but I don't think that I would be doing this business without people like you. Seriously. I I mean, I'm just being for real. Like if I didn't know that there was this group of people and I even said to someone, I was like, you know, if Tiana's on board, we're good. I might have said it to um, Jess because she said, do you know Tiana? I was like, yeah, I know Tiana. You know, like it's because it's the it's the the support and the vision and, and, you know, holding that and then wanting us all to succeed and elevating each other. And, you know, that's the thing. There's no competition here. This is about us giving our gifts to each other and elevating all of us together. Once again, my name is Tiana Edwards, your host of Kingston, The Black Experience. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I really appreciate you listening, and I look forward to you joining next time. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at Kingston Black Experience for the latest updates. Feel free to send me a DM there, or you can email me at 18tre at queensy.ca. Until next time, take care.